Welcome to Story Chats at Insby Romance. I'm Elizabeth Madry and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Narelle Atkins. I'm Valerie Comer. And of course we have Cooney with us. So that's exciting. Hi Cooney. There she is. Can you Today... hear her purring? So purring. Oh, I love Aww, that. she's so sweet. <laughs> yes. Today we are talking about billionaire romances. Um, these seem to be sort of love them or hate them. There's there's very, <laughs> very little in between, it feels like, um, when you ask in reader groups how people feel about billionaire romances. So um, where where are you? Where are you on that spectrum, Narelle? <laughs> well, I'm... I'm not, I'm a, it depends on the book. Okay. I'm actually a case-by-case case <laughs> proposition when it comes to billionaires. So I will not, I cannot say as a blanket statement that I love all billionaire romance and I can't say that I hate all billionaire romance. It actually depends on the billionaire, the story set up. I will say that I'm more likely to like a Christian billionaire romance because the billionaire is more likely to have a conscience and to not be greedy, selfish, arrogant, out of control, hedonistic, all about me, <laughs> sure. eight different partners really with think. eight different children. <laughs> eight, you know what I mean? You, yeah. they, they, you haven't got money and kids spraying around everywhere, which sometimes can be associated with billionaires and their decadent lifestyle because they can do whatever they want. They've got the money to do whatever they want. So it really does depend. It's case by case with me. Valerie? I probably fell victim to the, the whole, oh, we should never, early on when, when uh, billionaire romances first started coming out. I'm like, what? How, how can that be a good thing, right? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't read that. I wouldn't write that. Um, and then I began to realize that some of my earlier reading had been Grace Livingston Hill. You guys are probably too young to remember Grace no, Livingston Hill. I, yeah, I remember. I those. Yeah. There was a lot of rich people in her books yeah. and not maybe billionaires, but certainly richer than my family was. Um, Georgette Heyer in the Regency stuff. So that's full of pomp and money and fashion and, yeah. and all the things you associate with rich people. And so I was like, oh, I guess I really can't just give a blanket statement of not um, not liking billionaire romance because it, it isn't that simple. Um, so I think basically um, I it's going to be case by case again, like Narelle said, um, but Beth, you kind of won me over. So I'm far more willing to look at other cases because I have enjoyed your stories so much. I I tend to like them a lot, um, which you know makes sense you. since I'm writing them now. <laughs> um, although I guess I will say that they are somewhat case by case because they're like like with any trope, like cowboys or whatever, there are good ones and then there are not so good ones <laughs> out there. And that um, may be subjective too. Totally, but, oh, it's totally. But, but if it's just a shallow story, just this is the trope, and so let's milk it yeah that's one thing but I would agree that I also I feel like with romance in particular um I grew up and probably still like when I read mainstream romance I gravitate to the ones that maybe they're not technically like billionaire but but they are wealthy like that's part of the fantasy of romance to me is that you don't have to worry about balancing your checkbook to see whether you can afford Taco Bell like that's you know that's not 
where that's that's not that's everyday life that's not romance you know so I like that aspect of it well exactly I mean if you're going to fantasize about falling in love with a handsome guy I mean he might as well have money yeah yeah add add to the fantasy just a little (laughs) Oh, um, that sort of leads nicely into the next question. Uh, like, are literal billions required or is, you know, super rich okay? Millions, multi-millions. Like, I don't think a single million in today's economy, sadly, <laughs> um, doesn't doesn't really matter much. Like, you'll spend that in two years, you'll be you'll be broke again. But um, like, is is super rich okay or do they need literal billions for you Narelle? well the last time i checked the list the rich listing this is probably a while ago um we have i think 30 something billionaires in australia and the way the stock market and the economy is going it's probably less (laughs) as well because when you're in that amount of money it can you can have wild deviations but a tiny percentage changes but they can be massive dollar changes so, so billionaires are rare. So I would probably say you need to be in the hundreds of millions to count for me, okay. if that makes sense. So, and most, the average price of a house where I live in Canberra is about a million dollars. So if you're counting $1 million and you're counting the middle class these days in that category, I mean, that's the truth. That's sort of where you're looking at anyone that owns a home is nearly, um, is nearly a millionaire by definition, add in super, add in your, that's superannuation, add in other assets, and you probably are sitting at a million dollars. So it would probably to me be hundreds of millions would be my baseline. So super rich heading towards a billion. Found. Super rich definitely counts, but then you can't call it a billionaire romance. I mean, can you? I see this is this is a question. This is because like I mean, there are there are cowboy romances that don't have anything to do with cows. Well, yes. they have to do I think Cooney wants to leave now. I think so. Bye, see you bye Cooney. <laughs> we'll say bye to Cooney. <laughs> but like like I get I they get have cowboys the, though. Well, but no, they have ranchers, which which are different than cowboys. Like yeah. they're basically dairy farmers who ride a horse. They're not like that's just what I'm saying. It's like a dairy farmer could be a cowboy, depending on how you want to de- you know make your definition. In fact, I feel like um, in Jocelyn by Sarah Monzen, we're getting totally off topic, but wasn't he didn't basically have? <laughs> a dude ranch slash dairy farm and yet that was considered a cowboy romance and she even called him a cowboy but he is not riding the ranges with the cattle like most cowboy romances aren't riding the ranges with the cattle and that's what cowboys are we we could we could definitely get very sidetracked here but i will just (laughs) say that (laughs) dairy farms are very different from ranches that's that is raising cattle for milk Whereas branches, where branches <laughs> raise cattle for meat. Now about billionaires, <laughs> some of whom apparently are ranchers. Yes, cattle they in Australia. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's all I'm saying is I think sometimes we're very sort of loose, fast and loose with the definition. So I think multimillionaire could like super rich 
probably could still be called billionaire. Maybe you have to. It is. It is true because I have read a cowboy romance or two (laughs) that the guy just kind of lived in the country. Yeah. There might not have even been a horse in sight, let alone a cow. So (laughs) carry on. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so the jury's out, but uh, we'd love to know your thoughts on that one. Let us know. We'll take a poll, informal poll between our three commenters. We'll, uh, we'll come up with a rule, a ruling. Um, so billionaire romance tends to be urban in setting. What is, what is your reason behind, do you think the reason behind that is? Although Valerie was just talking about the cowboy billionaires. So, you know, (laughs) There goes that question. Well, if, if I'm going first, <laughs> sure. then I would say that I didn't know that no. billionaire romances were supposed to be urban because quite a few of the ones that I have read or looked at mm-hmm. have been small town okay. or there is the whole cowboy rancher billionaire thing as well. And I think in this day and age where um, people can do their office work from pretty much anywhere with an internet connection, I'm guessing that yeah. maybe being in a high-powered office somewhere. Although I guess if you're really rich, you can do it from a yacht because you don't need to be in the office anymore. True. So there's that too. True. I'm all, write me a yacht. Guy. I was just thinking I need to write like a series of yachting billionaires. Yes, sounds, please. That sounds yes. really fun. Let's do that. <laughs> he doesn't even need to think about the office anymore. He's so rich. Narelle, do you think, I guess maybe the question is, do you think that they are urban? And if they are. Well, I think this is the disconnect between real life and romance. If you were to look at the rich list in Australia, it's people who've earned money. The richest person in Australia, typically, I don't think it really moves, is Gina Reinhart. And her money is from mining, it's from the mining industry. And so she's been based effectively in Western Australia. So that's not Sydney, it's not Melbourne, it's not high glamour. And um, traditionally, because farming was such a big deal, I mean, we used to write on the sheep's back was the old saying back in the 50s and 60s, last century, um, the people who had lots of money were often people that lived in the country, on the big estates, on the big... um, that had like the big runs of cattle. And a lot of that's now owned by corporations and multinationals. It's not so much family. The family dynasty doesn't exist as much. So moving into contemporary, I would say, yes, you probably will find that urban is probably going to be what you're looking at. So that sort of rich set that's sort of, um, if I'm thinking of Sydney, you're looking at the eastern suburbs, on the harbour, the beaches, and then you look at New York City. I always think of Uber Rich as well, London, Sort of those types of places all right so sure. i i i like the urban maybe maybe i made up this question because i prefer the urban maybe that's what cowboy I person you my bias is coming too. <laughs> <laughs> so um our last little lead-in question because this is one that i um have gotten as a reply to my newsletter when I said I was moving into billionaires and they were unsubscribing and they had to let me know that Christian and billionaire were mutually exclusive terms and how dare I so um do we do we have thoughts do we have thoughts on that (laughs) Valerie Um, I do I do have thoughts I know that's really shocking for everybody um but I was thinking about this even before I saw the the question sheet for today's story chats Um, And I think it's tough because we tend to think that Christians should like give away so much money if you're ultra rich, that you're no longer ultra rich, that you should be like 
giving everything to charity or I don't know, building schools and digging wells in Africa or, or whatever. Um, so then you're not ultra rich anymore. And then you don't count, then you're not a billionaire because you don't have, you know, like that many zeros. I can't remember how many zeros it takes because I'm not a billionaire. Um, but I was also reminded of a few years ago when Chiclet had a, a bad rap mm -hmm. because it was obviously only going to be about vapid females who thought about nothing but fashion and you know how many pairs of shoes they had in their closet and whether they were skinny enough and all this stuff and how could that be how could that be Christian and yet Kristen Billerbeck and a few other authors kind of smashed those I think by proving that you actually could have um Christian characters who yes maybe struggled with some of those body image and and material worship type things but could kind of find their way through it and it could still be a very god honoring story and so just from that point of view right there i thought well we who are we to say what stories god can use and how we could um take characters and put them in a certain scenario and go okay have at her now how are you going to deal with this life that you've been given yes you're more privileged and I am, or most of us. Um, how are you going to deal with that? Oh, yeah, and fall in love because hello, Christian romance. <laughs> so, yeah, my very long answer. Sorry. There you go, <laughs> Oh, it's it's such a meaty topic this one, and I think the world would be a better place if the richest people in the world were generous and cared about what Jesus cared about. They cared mm -hmm. about the widows, the orphans, and the poor. And if that was a high priority for the wealthiest individuals and the wealthiest corporations in the world, we would be living in a better place. Mm -hmm. So it's not money that's necessarily the issue, but it's the way people think about money. And I think there's sort of two extremes. You've got the what I call the extreme poverty doctrine, which is where you have a belief that you should have nothing, give everything away, and serve. And by having nothing, you're not going to have idols related to material things. So you've got that line of thought as well among um, Christian denominations. And then you've got the other extreme, which is the prosperity teachings of the more um, the more faith you have, the more you do, the more God will bless you financially. Now, both of these are extremes and I don't subscribe to either of them. So I'm just putting it out there that I think a lot of it depends on how people interpret the Bible in terms of, what they how they perceive money how they interpret verses in different contexts and I think that will actually play into a lot of their thinking about billionaires as well and if you believe that no one should have that much money that it's morally ethically wrong then you're going to have a problem with billionaire romance it doesn't matter what the billionaires like there's nothing about their character that will change that particular thinking and then vice versa if you really have a strong prosperity belief in terms of the more I do for God the more faith I have the more I'll be blessed financially then that will again um, cloud the way you look at for example, other types of stories. So it really depends, I think, a lot to what the reader brings to the story. And it's like anything, doesn't matter what you write, you can't please everybody. And there's always going to be people that don't like things for a whole bunch of reasons. And thank goodness there's a wide range of tropes and genres and we don't just have to read all the one thing and we're all different. So that's sort of my two cents on it. <laughs> like it. Very good. We really did get very meaty here, didn't we? Wow. Yeah, it's good. Um, so I would, you know, obviously 
I don't feel like they're mutually exclusive uh, since <laughs> I'm writing them. To me, it really just boils down to stewardship. Um, what are you doing with the the talents? You know, you go to the parable of the talents and yes. what are you doing with what you've been given? That's whether you have one or seven, that's what matters. Um, so, so now we can talk books. Yay. Can. <laughs> All right, Valerie, you're up. Well, just so that we don't like get too far in and then realize we haven't talked about Elizabeth Madry's billionaire <laughs> book. Let's start there. Um, so there's two series currently, one complete one called So You Want to Be a Billionaire. And the second one, which is the billionaire next door, which doesn't mean we all live next door to a billionaire, um, which is in progress currently, right? Um, I enjoyed the first series. I'm, I'm loving the second series, especially the first book. So that's the one I'm going to draw attention to. And it's called The Billionaire's Nanny. It's probably ranking very high on my favorite books of 2022. So there you go. Scott and his friends um, invested in a, a um, stock deal, I think it was, that left all six of them as billionaires. His mother told everyone she knew about her wealthy and smart and all that son. And so Scott's cousin left her son to him and then she died. And he didn't know that he was being left a child. Whitney was Beckett's mom's friend. She thinks she should have been given custody even though she's flat broke, a wannabe Hollywood actor with no prospects. So she doesn't want to just give up this little boy that she's been a part of his life um, since he was born, as I recall. And so she accompanies Beckett to Washington because um, because somebody has to, because he's just a little kid. What, four, I think? Four. Three. Okay. And uh, so obviously he can't fly by himself. And so she comes with him and then she manages to wrangle her way into Scott's life by being Beckett's nanny. Um, she is definitely not impressed with how this billionaire lives. She is expecting far grander things. So if you think that most billionaire romances or stories are too materialistic, then have a look at Scott because not so much. Um, I just, I enjoyed that particular take on the nanny trope um, because it's not your typical, the child belongs to neither of them and they have to work together to have his best interests at heart. And I liked it. Yay. Well, I'm just gonna continue talking about the billionaire's <laughs> nanny because it's on my list and I'm not gonna drop it off my list because this is a really, really good book. And if you are on the fence about billionaire books, honestly, give this one a try because Scott is just, oh, I mean, he's rich, but it just, I don't know, it just doesn't affect who he is. So a lot of people will say that if you win the lottery or if you inherit money, that it will fundamentally change who you are, what you believe, what you value. Um, and it did, it probably changed his mother, probably in more than it actually <laughs> changed him. Honestly, she's the one running around like a um, mad idiot. Like she really is slightly, it's all gone completely to her head. And it's like, my son's really rich now. Isn't that cool? And I get to run around and give money away to all this, these charities and help all these people. And if anything, it's gone to his mother's head more than it's actually gone to his head. And that was really fascinating to watch. And that's what sets up the whole concept of Beckett yeah. coming into his life because um, 
one of the distant cousins is like, well, if something happens to me and I'm a single mother and I have no money and the dad's not in his life, then this guy should be the one who raises my son because, I mean, he can afford to. He can afford yeah. a nanny, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but, I mean, Scott, it really, it, I think it really shows that if you are a person of faith, of deep, genuine faith, then God can bless you by bringing money into your life in a way that doesn't fundamentally ruin you and change you. And that's really what I think the billionaire's nanny, the takeaway of that is. And so it's probably up there as one of my favourite billionaire romances for sure. So that's why I've tagged on with this one because it's too good not to talk about. (laughs) High five, Narelle. Yes. (laughs) Okay, Beth, what are you going to say about that? I'm going to talk about Small Town Billionaire by Hannah Jo Abbott. (laughs) Oh, that's on my list somewhere too. (laughs) So um, this is, you know, here we talked about this urban setting, but to be fair, he does live in New York City. He just comes to the small town because he's trying to um, not be a workaholic um, is what he's realized he needs to do. So he goes to this small town and buys a house. Um, and he's trying to sort of figure out how to reshape his life so that this, the billions are not driving everything. Um, and he is, uh, rude to a really overworked waitress <laughs> and, um, not then good. it turns out that she is the one who is going to be in charge of the event that he wants to host at the country club. Um, she, you know, she was pitching in, I think it was her last day as banquet staff before she took the promotion to event manager. And so he was really horrible. So it sets up this, you know, it it was really well set up um, and they don't want to work together uh, at all. (laughs) So, but it's a good mix of billionaire and small town, the whole series. There's, uh, I think it's a trilogy. Might have four. I think, yeah. Either three or four. Um, I, I enjoyed the whole thing. And it's uh, it's got all of the, if you're a, a Hannah Jo Abbott fan, she always has real faith development um, in her books, which I always appreciate. Um, and so I just, I really liked, I liked that sort of juxtaposition of small town uh, billionaire. So and that's, that's one way to get the small town that everybody thinks they love into the urban billionaire sure. thing by yeah. having him, you know, visit or, or move. Locates or whatever. or whatever, yeah. Yep, for sure. What's number two, Valerie? My number two is um, by Jan Thompson. It's called His Longing Heart. And this one is unique, um, in my opinion, because it's a female that's the billionaire. Mm-hmm. And most of the time it isn't. And uh, we mm. could kind of wander off into that as well, or not. Um, she, it, her name is Brinley. She collects violins while the hero is a struggling violinist trying to pay off his grandfather's medical debt. So I do think that it's trickier when the woman is the billionaire. And I think maybe it's because we're primarily female readers, right? And we know we're not rich. So um, if we're going to have a fantasy, the guy better be, because the reality is we're not. Um, But this is a a fairly long book. It's one of her longer ones. And it just really sets those two worlds apart and shows to how how hard it is sometimes for the guy to be the one who isn't 
big and in charge because <laughs> he's poor and she's not, so, which does really add a, a different dimension to the mm -hmm. whole billionaire trope. So that, that's the one I'd recommend if you're looking for the flip side on that. Noel. I need to read that one by Jans. I think I've got it in my very long TBR. It's anyway. a good one. I read it. <laughs> I read it the second, yeah, the second one I'm going to talk about is actually novella length and it's Stand By Me by Autumn MacArthur in the Chapel Cove Romance series. So it's, I think it's the second oh. to last of the ones that have been re-released. Now, this one is, is tropey. It's set at Christmas. We have a billionaire hero and we have a heroine who has bipolar. And so, and we're in, in the small town of Chapel Cove. So Isaiah wasn't, he's a self-made billionaire. So he hasn't just stumbled across money, inherited money, um, won money on the stock market, nothing like that. He's worked really, really hard with Jesse, um, who's the inventor of um, the, the things that they make. I'm not going to go into all the details on that. I'm that's the story ever was Jesse's, and that's where I thought you were going. So I don't think I've read this yes. one. Carry on. So, but in Jesse's, so I actually, I actually re, went and reread See Me. So See Me is Jesse's story, and Bronte is um, the heroine. She's the the lady that delivers the pizza or the takeaway food, and accidentally meets him, and she's been living in a car because she got conned by con artists. That's the one you're thinking of. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. So we're now moving. They're now married. Jesse and Bronte, and we're now moving into the next one. Now, at their wedding, Jesse and Bronte's wedding, that's where um, Isaiah meets the heroine who, what was her name again? I've got it written down somewhere on my list. Do you know how you write down names? You're like, yeah. where did I put it? It's gone straight out of my head. Um, so our heroine in this one was at the wedding. She works, she runs the cafe, the Ivy's Bookstore Cafe in Chapel Cove. So if you've been following Autumn's books in the Chapel Cove series, you'll know what I'm talking about. And Nay's in this story as well. And so she has been really well for about two years. So she's got a bipolar diagnosis. The meds are holding her living in a small town where she can manage things and manage her um, manage her bipolar to keep herself not going manic and to keep on an even keel. She's done very well at this and that's been going really well. And she meets Isaiah at the wedding and, of course, they, they hit it off. Very, They're attracted to each other. They connect. They contact each other after the wedding and he wants her to visit Austin. I mean, Austin, we're talking about a big city in Texas, and she's like, nah. I don't know if I can do this. And she's keeping the secret. No one knows that she's living with bipolar either. It's something that she's kept very close. So I really enjoyed this one. And I read this one from the perspective of their unborn child, which probably sounds strange, but my mother um, has had bipolar from about the age of 28 or 29. So I would have been maybe three or four when she first started showing signs of having a mental illness and they'd been married my parents probably at least six maybe seven years by that time so um, when my parents got married there was no my mother didn't know she was what 21 maybe nearly 22 and had no idea that down the track she was going to have a mental illness whereas in this story um, our heroine she doesn't want to get married because um, she's really worried about having bipolar and all the implications of that. And so she's really pulled back from Isaiah. He's really the, the guy that everybody loves. And, I mean, he could pick up a girlfriend like that if he wanted to. And so he really struggles as to why she's holding back, why she only wants to be friends. So I found that dynamic in the story really interesting. And he also has sort of had to deal with the pitfalls of suddenly 
coming into a lot of money. He's sort of put his company on the stock market. What he used to do with Jesse is no longer Jesse's um, going blind. And so his eyesight is failing. So he couldn't keep doing what they were doing. So there's been a lot of changes and it's, it's Autumn MacArthur. So you've got a lot of depth. You've got a lot of emotion. Yeah. You've got a strong faith journey in the story as well. So even though it's novella length, it's very good. And I really enjoyed it as well. And again, we have a billionaire who is mostly down to earth if that makes sense and is aware of what he can actually do with the money that he has effectively earned to sort of get to that and it's just to get to that billionaire status so it's different again to some of the others but it, it's a good one no that sounds amazing I love that they um that autumn hit on on bipolar we don't see that I mean we talked mm-hmm. about mental health however many episodes ago um you know <laughs> Long time. Yeah. but um but that's few and far between it is it is yeah. a challenge to find a christian romance that's going to go there um yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah sure. and i really liked how it was such a positive portrayal of bipolar as well because the reality is bipolar is a spectrum in the same way autism is a spectrum it affects different people in different ways there's different types of bipolar and I thought it was just really good to show how people can positively live pretty much a normal life I mean no one I mean none of us are normal as close to normal as you can get (laughs) all of us have quirks and issues and weirdness um but to really to really show the challenges of um of of actually exposing what can be I mean I live the prejudices as being the kid of someone with bipolar I know all about that and I would hope by 2022 that that's no longer an issue but sadly it is in many circles and having to hide that so I just really liked the way she did that there's a lot of vulnerability yeah. there yeah. In, in a situation like that. Cool. No, I, I hadn't clued in that there was basically a sequel to the, the Jesse and Bronte story. So I'll have to look that one up. Yes. Yeah. Released a few months back, I think. Okay. Okay. All right. So my second one is uh, The Billionaire's Blushing Bride by Mandy Blake. <laughs> And um, this one's fun because Sophia is um, rich in her own right, probably not billionaire, but certainly very wealthy. She's second in command at the family company. Um, so pulls down, you know, a good salary, uh, plus it's family money there as well. They have this successful business. Um, and she's hoping for her dad to promote her to the CEO when he retires, but he's looking to maybe give it to the sort of worthless brother because he's the boy, basically, is what it boils down to. Um, and so she, her, one of her big clients that she liaises with is Cole. And he just had this big breakup with a Hollywood starlet. And um, she is sort of crazy <laughs> and trying to get back together with him. So the two of them, and he is a billionaire, um, a true billionaire, so uh, they agree to a fake relationship sort of for to further each other's um, needs. You know, it would help get the crazy ex off his back. And she's hoping that um, her father would let her be the CEO because here she's now, you know, engaged to one of their biggest clients. And if they put the brother in charge, he would be unhappy with that. And so it could be very bad for the company. Um, want that. Right. We wouldn't want that. So mm. um so it's 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 really fun, and again, I like the fact because um, because it, it is unusual 
or that's not a word, but I'm going with it. It is more unusual to have the the woman also be wealthy. Um, and I, I think you're right, Valerie. It's that, you know, generally speaking, we want to, when we read a romance, we want to be the the female character in the book. And it's harder to imagine yourself as this billionaire lady, um, you know, to identify when you've got a sink full of dishes that you're ignoring so that you can read and you don't have staff <laughs> to go take care of that for you. Um, but I still really do. I do enjoy that. Um, and it's really, it's well-written and fun. Um, good faith content as well there, um, which I appreciated again. I always like when you can find really good faith content in a, in a CCR, which you know, there's a spectrum though, but I like it when it's, when it's really there. Yeah. Without being weird. You know, it wasn't weird. <laughs> where it fits. Where, yeah. It, fits. Where it just yeah. becomes a natural part of the story. Yeah. 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 Uh, do I, get next? I think we can do one more. Go fast. Okay. <laughs> Megan Whistler, The Billionaire's Secret. I've talked about this one before um, because I really loved it. Um, billionaire Ryan is made more relatable because he has an incurable auto, autoimmune disease or disorder. So his friends who are his business partners force him to go uh, to a medical retreat center to take a break uh, and to cut, come to grips with his diagnosis. And he doesn't want to go, but they kind of push him, but they convince him that they're not pushing him out of the company. They just know he needs time to get the health concerns dealt with. And there he meets Zara. She's on retreat with her terminally ill mother. Um, but Ryan doesn't tell her that he's rich. So it, it comes out because, because it does. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed this story. And um, I'm looking forward to more in this series, because after all, Ryan has a couple of friends and they're single. So I'm sure that there's going to be more. So this also that kind of plays into what we were talking about the urban thing. He's from Boston. Mm -hmm. So that totally makes sense. We're, we're old city, money city. Um, but the story takes place at a retreat center way off in the mountains. Yeah because that's where they meet. And, and so it's not a city, an urban story, but the background is definitely there. And they do land up, spoiler alert, they land, land up back in Boston yeah. um, at the other end of it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good one. Norel, you got a third one? Yes, I do. I'll be very fast because I've talked about this one before. So I'm going to talk about My Beastly Billionaire by Jackie Castle. Now, this is an older release and Jackie was blogging with Inspire Romance for a while. Yeah. And when billionaires first started to show up um, in the sort of sweet, clean and wholesome genre, which it really was sort of there in the romance before it went to CCR, yeah. I thought, this is really interesting. I'm going to read this book. And I really enjoyed it. So it's a fairy tale retelling of Beauty and the Beast. Um, she's an interior decorator. He's um, the reclusive um, billionaire hero who's had a motorbike accident and so he's got injuries from that and doesn't want to see anyone and has blocked out the world. Now, I've talked about it in episode 35 in fairy tale retellings. <laughs> I've also talked about it in episode 48, Fall and oh Thanksgiving goodness. Season Romances. I have no idea what I talked story. about Megan's book. 
But you know, when you talk about do what's what do you think of billionaire romances? If this book had been terrible, I may have started a conversation with oh, billionaire romances are awful because first impressions can often count. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes it can be um, unlucky that you happen to pick up a trope that you haven't read before and it's a terrible book, whereas I was very blessed that I've read this one first and really enjoyed it. So I started with a a positivity um, (laughs) attitude that um, there are really good CCR billionaire romances out there. That's a good point. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, I could go on forever because I did a lot of billionaire romance reading uh, as part of thinking about going into them, but I think we're, we're pretty good on time. So I'm going to just stop. <laughs> I'm just going to stop because we're, we're at 35 and that's, that's getting, that's getting good. So um, what billionaire romances have you read and enjoyed or any of those things we talked about at the start? If you would like to chime in with your own opinions, we would love to hear them. Uh, you can leave us a comment on the YouTube channel or on our Facebook page and um if you are over on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you never miss an episode. And we will look forward to seeing you again next week. In the meantime, don't forget to fall in love with a good book. Bye. Bye. Goodbye, everyone.